Hey everybody! You are listening to the Creative BioLabs podcast, the show that introduces the basics about stem cells and their broad applications. Please contact us if you have any questions or suggestions. And don't forget to subscribe to follow the latest updates. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Connie. Thanks for tuning in. Our guest today is Dr. Benjamin Smith, a journal editor in the field of immunotherapy. Benjamin, welcome and thank you for being here with us. Thank you, Connie. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you. Today, our focus is on cell differentiation in the skeletal system. To start, could you provide an overview of the vertebrate skeleton? Of course. The vertebrate skeleton consists of two specialized tissues, cartilage and bone, which serve to surround and protect the bone marrow. Each of these tissues is associated with specific types of mesenchymal cells, chondrocytes in cartilage and osteoblasts in bone. Chondrocytes and osteoblasts perform distinct functions that are essential for the growth, maintenance, and integrity of the skeleton. Chondrocytes play a crucial role in the longitudinal growth of bones and synthesize cartilaginous scaffolds. On the other hand, osteoblasts are responsible for depositing bone matrix on these scaffolds, both during development and postnatal growth. Osteoblasts synthesize a collagen-rich matrix that eventually becomes mineralized. Dysfunctions in the differentiation or function of these cell types can lead to various hereditary and acquired skeletal disorders. The progression from pluripotent progenitors to fully functional cells is regulated by specific transcription factors and a complex interplay of secreted molecules. Thanks for your introduction. So, what are the important events that occur in skeletogenesis? Formation of the vertebrate skeleton begins with the aggregation of undifferentiated mesenchymal cells into structures. These structures prefigure each future skeletal element. The skeletal condensations, known as omlagen, form around 9.5 days postcoitum during mouse development, and they become visible histologically around 10.5 days postcoitum. Certain molecules orchestrate the assembly of these skeletal condensations, generally controlling the migration and association of undifferentiated cells. Although there are some differences between craniofacial, axial, and limb patterning, the pathways controlling this patterning process share many similarities. Skeletal condensations can form bones once they are established, following either an intramembranous or an endochondral ossification process. Bones formed by intramembranous ossification include the frontal, parietal, and parts of the temporal and occipital bones, as well as the majority of the facial bones and the lateral part of the clavicles. In these flat bones, the condensed cells expand to form a membranous structure. Then, the cells differentiate directly into osteoblasts, maintaining and increasing their secretion of type I collagen, while also initiating the expression of non-collagenous proteins specific to osteoblasts. You made it very clear. So, in the rest of the skeleton, how does skeletogenesis proceed? Actually, it proceeds through endochondral ossification, a multi-step process. In the center of the skeletal condensation, cells differentiate into chondrocytes by 12.5 days postcoitum during mouse development. These cells can express type 2 collagen and agrican. 
Most interchondrocytes differentiate into hypertrophic chondrocytes as the condensation elongates, and they then express type 10 collagen. At the same time, cells at the periphery of the condensation flatten and begin to differentiate into osteoblasts that express type 1 collagen. This structure is known as the bony collar and is most evident in the region adjacent to the hypertrophic zone of the condensation. The second step of endochondral ossification involves two coordinated events. Hypertrophic chondrocytes begin to undergo apoptosis, and at this point, blood vessels invade the region they occupy, bringing differentiating osteoblasts from the bone collar into the area. Subsequently, the bone matrix synthesized by osteoblasts replaces the cartilaginous matrix, and this ossification spreads centripetally until much of the cartilage is replaced. Only a small region at the ends of the growing bone remains cartilaginous, known as growth plate cartilage. It controls the longitudinal growth of the bone until the end of puberty. Mineralization of the newly deposited bone matrix continues, and osteoclast precursors from the bloodstream invade the center of the formed structure following this process. They initiate differentiation under the influence of factors secreted by osteoblast progenitor cells and begin to resorb the bone matrix, creating the internal space that houses the bone marrow. Endochondral ossification seems to be quite intricate, but your explanation was very elucidating. Now, could you tell us about chondrogenesis and its key characteristics? Certainly. Chondrogenesis has two notable characteristics. First, the differentiation of chondrocytes involves significant morphological changes, making it possible to identify distinct maturation stages. Second, much of the differentiation process is continuously recapitulated in the growth plate cartilage, where skeletal elements are developed through endochondral ossification. In the earliest stages of maturation, chondrocytes are small and located in the most distal area, known as the reserve or resting zone. These cells are considered chondrocyte progenitors. Immediately below the resting zone, a proliferative zone emerges where chondrocytes are slightly larger, flatter, and rapidly dividing. The length of the columns of rapidly dividing chondrocytes primarily determines longitudinal bone growth. Proliferating chondrocytes in this zone express type 2 collagen and agrican. Hypertrophic chondrocytes appear proximal to the growth plate cartilage. They express type X collagen but not type 2 collagen and eventually undergo apoptosis. I appreciate the clarification. Can you tell us about the molecules that play a crucial role in the formation and maturation of chondrocyte? Certainly. SOX9 is the earliest known molecule required for chondrocyte specification. It belongs to the high mobility group family of transcription factors. SOX9 was initially identified as the gene inactivated in campomelic dysplasia, a dominant genetic disorder characterized by skeletal malformation and sex reversal. SOX9 was later found to activate the expression of several collagen genes in chondrocytes. This role was further elucidated through genetic studies in mice, where SOX9 null cells were excluded from skeletal condensations, indicating its necessity for their formation. Additionally, teratomas derived from SOX9 null mutants failed to develop cartilage in mouse chimeras, 
and these cells were found to be abnormally sensitive to apoptotic signals. Furthermore, LSOX5 and SOX6, two other high-mobility group family members, play essential roles in chondrocyte maturation. Both genes are co-expressed with SOX9 in precartilaginous condensations. Although they appear to be redundant in vivo, the targeted deletion of both LSOX5 and SOX6 leads to generalized chondrodysplasia and late embryonic lethality, underscoring their importance in controlling chondrocyte differentiation. These key molecules play critical roles in regulating chondrocyte differentiation. Are there any factors that inhibit or disrupt chondrocyte differentiation? Yes, there are factors that negatively influence chondrocyte differentiation. NFAT1, a member of the nuclear factors of activated T-cells family, acts as a repressor of chondrocyte differentiation. Overexpression of NFAT1 in chondrocyte cell lines suppresses the expression of chondrocyte molecular markers. In NFAT1-deficient mice, ectopic cartilage forms in the joints, and there are ordered and columnar chondrocytes with distinct morphologies in the newly formed cartilage. Eventually, this cartilage is replaced by bone, mirroring the process of endochondral ossification. Fibroblast growth factors also inhibit chondrocyte differentiation. FGFs are a class of secreted factors expressed at various stages of skeleton formation. Their role has been extensively studied through the functional analysis of their receptors. Inactivation of fibroblast growth factor receptor 3 in mice results in increased chondrocyte proliferation. However, activating mutations in FGFR3 are found in patients with chondrodystrophy, a condition characterized by a shortened proliferating zone in the growth plate cartilage. Overall, one or several FGFs inhibit chondrocyte proliferation through this receptor. You've provided valuable insights. As I understand it, chondrocyte proliferation and hypertrophy are crucial stages in chondrocyte maturation. What factors control these stages? Chondrocyte proliferation and hypertrophy are regulated by a negative feedback loop involving two growth factors, parathyroid hormone-related peptide and Indian hedgehog. Parathyroid hormone-related peptide and Indian hedgehog is secreted by the chondrocytes of the parachondrium. It stimulates the proliferation of proliferating chondrocytes when signaling through its receptor. As cells escape the spatial range of parathyroid hormone-related peptide and Indian hedgehog's activity, they become prehypertrophic and begin synthesizing Indian hedgehog. This transition marks the shift from proliferation to differentiation into hypertrophic chondrocytes. Consequently, Indian hedgehog induces cells of the perichondrium to upregulate their synthesis of parathyroid hormone-related peptide and Indian hedgehog, which indirectly slows down the pace of chondrocyte hypertrophy. I see. I've also read about RUNCs2 being involved in hypertrophic differentiation. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. RUNCs2 is a transcription factor originally identified as an osteoblast differentiation factor. RUNCs2 deficient mice lack osteoblasts and have proximal long bones primarily populated by resting and proliferative chondrocytes. Interestingly, overexpression of RUNCs2 in RUNCs2 deficient mice specifically rescues the lack of hypertrophic chondrocytes, even without rescuing osteoblast differentiation. 
This demonstrates that RUNX2's control of chondrocyte hypertrophy is independent of its role in osteoblast differentiation. Thank you for clarifying that. It's also known that hypertrophic chondrocyte play a role in vascular invasion, a critical step in the continuation of the endochondral ossification process. Are there specific factors associated with this process? Cartilage resorption by matrix metallopeptidase 9 releases vascular endothelial growth factor, an angiogenic factor secreted by hypertrophic chondrocytes. VEG plays a crucial role in regulating vascular invasion. Studies on mice deficient in connective tissue growth factor have shown that connective tissue growth factor regulates extracellular matrix remodeling and vasculogenesis. By controlling the expression of vascular endothelial growth factor and matrix metallopeptidase 9. Thank you for the introduction. We've delved into chondrocyte differentiation, and now we'll move on to the next aspect, osteoblast differentiation. Could you please provide more insights into this process? Certainly. Osteoblast differentiation is not marked by significant phenotypic changes at the cellular level in vivo. The most distinctive feature of fully differentiated osteoblasts is their ability to produce a matrix that eventually becomes mineralized. This lack of pronounced morphological characteristics underscores the importance of relying on gene expression studies to assess osteoblast differentiation. Osteoblasts have only a few specific markers, and among them, osteocalcin is the sole truly osteoblast-specific structural gene. It is exclusively expressed by fully differentiated osteoblasts. I understand. Which factors play a crucial role in osteoblast differentiation? RUNX2 is the earliest regulator known to date in osteoblast differentiation. It is expressed in all osteoblast progenitor cells. Mice lacking RUNX2 exhibit a normally patterned skeleton, with the exception of skeletal elements formed through intramembranous ossification. These sites exhibit only a membrane structure, and no cartilaginous scaffold is present, as there is no cartilaginous stage in their development. In humans, mutations in the RUNX2 gene are associated with cleidocranial dysplasia. OSX is another important regulator of osteoblast differentiation, recently identified as a zinc finger-containing nuclear factor. It is exclusively expressed in osteoblasts, and OSX-deficient mice lack osteoblasts. OSX acts downstream of RUNX2 in the regulatory pathway. Two transcription factors, DFOS-B and FRA1, are positive regulators of osteoblast differentiation. Overexpression of DFOS-B in transgenic mice results in increased osteoblast differentiation, and forced ubiquitous expression of FRA1 leads to increased osteoblast proliferation. That provides a clearer picture. Do secreted molecules also play a role in regulating osteoblast differentiation? Absolutely. For instance, osteoblast differentiation is impeded in the absence of Indian hedgehog. Additionally, RUNX2 expression is not induced in cells of the bone collar in the absence of Indian hedgehog. These observations highlight the critical role of Indian hedgehog in early osteoblast differentiation. Secreted factors can also regulate RUNX2 expression. Fibroblast growth factors are among the molecules that regulate osteoblast differentiation. 
Inactivation of fibroblast growth factor 18 in mice leads to a general delay in bone formation, affecting skeletal elements formed through both intramembranous and endochondral ossification. It all makes sense now. Proper chondrocyte and osteoblast differentiation is essential for vertebrate bone growth, and defects in these processes can lead to bone diseases. Therefore, a deeper understanding of skeletogenesis and the differentiation of chondrocyte and osteoblasts is crucial. I've learned a lot from your insights. Thank you for sharing this valuable information. We'll conclude here, and I wish you a great day. Thank you very much. Same to you.